This is the Inkabao Science Show. This is a beat 97.9 FM. Welcome to the Inkaba Sign Show. My name is Olorun Tobai Yusuf. Good to have you join us on the show today. Remember, the show comes your way every Monday night at 9.45 a.m. And on this show, we bring expert scientists into the studio to help you dissect all science-related topics into relatable units. So today, we'll be discussing the signs of food poisoning. Um, of course, it's always an unpleasant situation that we sometimes experience. Um, and some people say with the advent of fast food, we have um, less control over what we eat and consequently suffer food poisoning time and time again. So what is food poisoning? How does it happen? Are there red flags? How can we create a healthier food ecosystem and have you know healthy um, diet and nutrition? This morning, we'll be focusing on the Incuba Science Show, the science of food poisoning. Our guest is a lecturer in the Department of Human Nutrition, University of Ibadan. His name is Dr. Ibukun Afolami. Doctor, great to have you on the show. Thank you for joining us. Good morning, Yusuf. It's a pleasure being here. Yes. Okay, so um, it's something I've heard. It's something that um, I've experienced before myself. But um, since you are the expert in the studio, I would um, let you, first of all, tell us what food poisoning is. Thank you, Yusuf. Mm. Um, first of all, before I start, it's, it's really nice being here. And yeah. thanks, um, Inkaba, for promoting the culture of science. Uh, it's... I've been following the program for a while, and um, yes, we enjoy it. Thank uh, thank you. you. <laughs> yeah. So, g- going into the heart of the matter, food poisoning is um, actually many times a bacterial infection, mm. but it could also be a viral infection. Okay. And um, basically, it happens when we have pathogens, microorganisms mm. um, that invade our system through the food that we consume largely majority of it of course come from the food but also it could be as a result of toxins so many times in food you know in the production of food normally we we use a cliche called um, producing the food from farm to fork Mm. so basically from what happens on the field Mm. on the agricultural field to the plate exactly Yeah. (laughs) yeah so um yes so food um, can also get um, exposed to toxins mm. also from, from, from the farm. So, you know, on the agricultural farm, foods are usually preserved and um, they're treated with pesticides and things like that. So these residues, sometimes if we are not, uh, if, if the processing is, is, not, uh, is not done properly mm. well, when it gets to the plate, Sometimes we're exposed to it. And um, yes, when this gets into our system, mm. we call it food poison. So in a nutshell, it can be from the bacterium mm. or bacteria okay. virus, or it can also be from toxins. So how, how does it happen, really? Uh, because poison, from the word poison, of course, is supposed to poison you and yeah. affect the system, basically. <laughs> yeah. So when you eat the food, how does it turn out to be, you know, a food that is supposed to be beneficial to your body? How does it turn out to be, you know, poisonous or, or dangerous, basically, to the system? How does it happen? Okay. So, you know, I like this quotation by Paracelsus, who says mm. that um, when we're exposed to toxin, that really what makes a difference whether it really brings us down or not is a, is a function of the concentration. So, um, ordinarily, you know, we have bacteria everywhere. And um, 
we're exposed to this. And many times the, the body has its own internal regulation where it controls it. Now, this largely happens at the gut. Okay. Basically at the small intestine and the large intestine. So if you're going to narrow down into where the action more like of takes place, takes yeah. place, it's there. So a bit of background because this is all also supposed to be like, um, yes, so we are supposed to educate and give some background with the science. So it's secondary school biology. Mm. So we know that if you take in food, that it goes from your mouth and from your mouth to your stomach, stomach yeah. you know, from your stomach directly connected to your stomach are your, your small intestine mm. and afterwards your large intestine and of course you pass it out through your through your, your, your anus or rectum as it's called. So now when we take in this food and it's exposed to this bacteria mm. uh, or toxins at a small intestine you know it's really I like to describe it as a battleground the small intestine is really a battleground. And if you see the way nature has designed the small intestine, it's, it's really, really interesting because at that entrance, because mm. if you look at the small intestine or the, the entire gut as a tube that goes from your mouth all the way to your tube. rectum, okay. if you see everything as a tube, then if when we're taking food, we're supposed to be getting all the nutrients and beneficial um, things that are beneficial, um, beneficial to us, mm. at the small intestine is where we have all these nutrients. They're very tiny molecules. So, like, for example, if, it, if I take bread or apple, you know, it comes in through in the form of sugar, small sugars like glucose. If I take meat, you know, all the roundabout, bocotol and all yeah. that, <laughs> you know, it, it, it also, the body breaks it down mm -hmm. into very tiny amino acids. And this is what the body uses, you know, to yeah. maintain itself. Okay, so the same way this nutrients come in is mm -hmm. the same way these toxins can come in through the small intestine. Okay. And why I call it a battleground is that nature has designed all the, the uh, I will call it, um, the soldiers of the system called antibodies. Now, the specialized antibodies, they are there in the small intestine. Now, for those that have actually killed, I don't know, or treated um, beef before or, mm. or poultry, I mean, you see that it's very slimy. So in, in that slimy content of, mm -hmm. of, of the small intestine, you have all powerful antibodies I tell them, or I see them like soldiers, and indeed, that's what they are. Okay. So these soldiers are there, and they are really battle-ready to, to protect, to fight any bacterium okay. or bacteria that is coming in, and um, and that's what they do. But really, what happens when we suffer from food poisoning is the bacterium or bacteria from food it's really overwhelming and they invade so they become powerful than they the soldiers more powerful than the soldiers okay so and 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 really someone has to win so mm. they are supposed to really they are the first entry point of first line of defense mm. as we say but when that first line of defense is broken um, they then just, they let they just in, come in. Okay, come so in, yeah. um, you, you said that it's the it's inside the small intestine that all of these things happen. But um, I, I think I had an episode on this show that um, uh, a nutritionist as well came. We talked about food mm -hmm. and the digestive system. Yeah. And he said that, 
you know in the digestive system some food items that you eat um the way they, they are digested is different some get digested i think from the mouth yeah. some take longer hours to get digested yeah. so uh, in this case, if you eat um, food that take hours to get digested, for instance, maybe the ones that get digested in the mouth. So, do you get the poisoning from the mouth? I don't know if you understand yeah, what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, that yeah. you know the how the food is digested uh, does it determine how the body uh, or the body system would be poisoned? You know, when there is food poisoning. In principle, no. Okay. So um, the body tries to break down, you know, the the big macromolecules of food, as we call them, mm-hmm. into small mo- molecules that can pass in through the small intestine, yeah. right? So, and don't forget, we're talking about bacteria here. What is the size of bacteria? I mean, a bacteria is very tiny. It, you, can't, you can't even see it, you know, with your naked eye. So, um, everything comes in, you know, at that point. And really, when the defense line is not, is not maintained, they can enter into the system, mm. and that is when the trouble begins. So, regardless of um, the mode of digestion for any food item, it happens in the small intestine. Food poison happens in the small intestine. Indeed, but mm. don't forget that there are different levels of battle. So, for example, when um, I take in food that is really um, high in mold, okay. for example, like a bar. Um, well, when I say mold, I was talking about <laughs> oh, okay. fungi, oh, for okay. example. All right. All right. So it's also a microorganism. So mm. now in the stomach, also there are mechanisms in place where there's a lot of secretion of hydrochloric acid. Mm. And, you know, acid, in principle, w- when we talk about acid, I mean, you're scared, right? <laughs> so this acid, is, they also act on, on some of these bacteria and they destroy them. So you see this happens in the stomach. And the stomach is before mm. the small intestine. So it's really when um, things are not really controlled or the concentration of this bacteria or the toxins are high that um, we get food poisoning. Mm. Okay, so there's, there's also, it's also good to know that, um, well, I mean, the incidence of food poisoning is very high. So even, even, even in Nigeria. Um, but now you see a lot of talks right now about food poisoning. And um, um, it's really getting worrisome because of all the the news we hear from media, the the incidents of even fatal cases of food poisoning. Yeah. And um, coming to the show, really, it's important that I mention it. Yeah, because from a public health perspective, it, it's really becoming quite alarming. Mm-hmm. And um, there, there are lots of organizations, even so civil society that are really trying as much as possible to do something about it. A lot of things have been attributed to street foods, also, um, well, regulatory bodies and things like that. Uh, uh, and uh, I like the fact that you mentioned street food, uh, but earlier in the introduction, you, you talked about um, even foods that are, you know, going directly from the farmland to the plate because oftentimes when we talk about um you know uh food poisoning we first thing that comes into our head is fast food you know the food you just quickly get um while maybe you've been at work you've, you've not taken anything all day and everything so that means that it's not um you know uh, restricted to street food item alone take us through how you know um a food that is away an item that goes through uh, a healthy let me say a healthy process from the farmland can still be susceptible to infestation by uh, a bacteria that you know would eventually cause food poisoning okay thank you very much so um we have regulatory bodies right mm-hmm. so um a well-known regulatory body that is meant to really protect us is NAFTAC, and um, um NAFDAQ, well 
they, 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 they try, um, but they are, they, we see that we still have cases of food poisoning. And um, yeah, so when we have um, an increasing number of cases like this, mm. then, well, it's a call that we could improve our regulatory um, structure and processes. Okay, so answering your question, you, the, way you, <laughs> the way you ask the question is, is it's quite interesting. So it's like, yes, if we have these regulatory bodies and, I mean, it's not one, it's not two. So how come we still have... No, no, it's not even about the regulation. But you said, you know, street food, fast food, that when these things happen, we usually say it's fast food. But you said something earlier that even, uh, you know, food that is, um, you know, um, you, you harvest from the farmland and then you f- directly from the farm to the plate, basically, yes, yes. can still be, you know, uh, it can still cause food poisoning. Right. So that's what, I'm, that's what I'm asking, yes. Right. So it's a function of the exposure so to, to, to pesticides. Mm. So... You know, uh, on the agricultural farm, you have to fight the diseases that affect the food crops, right? And um, we use pesticides. So um, many times these pesticides are toxic. Mm. And of course, the process, there's a process for eliminating the pesticide residues, as we call them, and ensuring that, excuse me, yeah. they do not... They do not have, um, they do not go beyond a particular concentration. Okay. Mm. So now it's monitored. So mm. that's why these foods go through different um, regulatory yeah. agencies. So they have sophisticated equipment like gas chromatography, high performance liquid chromatography, where they use to monitor the level of the pesticides in the food. And um, yes. So sometimes there are slips. And really, look at the population of... Residue of this uh, residue, pesticide. Yes. Okay. So how many of the foods that we consume on the streets really go through many of these um, regulatory bodies? How many of the street um, puff puff and all that that is consumed in Bodija pass through NAVDAC <laughs> for regulation? So, mm. yeah, so these are some of the challenges. So it, it, Nigeria is a very big country. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so for p- food produced on the farmland, exposure to pesticides. So let's look at uh, street food now, the factors that come into play that make them, you know, susceptible to uh, being infected by the bacteria that goes on to cause food poisoning in the body system when taken by a person. Right. Yes. Okay, so take for instance, um, you have a batch of groundnuts that has been grown in a particular, fla- in a particular mm. farm. Yeah. Now, I- for for groundnuts and many of these um, seeds or, or, or not, what you have is exposure to aflatoxins. Okay, so you have aflatoxins on one hand that can affect or invade them. And um, yes, now these aflatoxins over time they build and somehow they still manage to get to the foods that we consume. Mm. Okay, and when these aflatoxins come in, they were exposed to them. Well, after all this mechanism that I've, that I've explained, the defense is broken, they get into the systemic circulation. And one thing that these aflatoxins do is they, they, are, they have an ability to bind to our hereditary material. Mm. That's our chromosomes, our DNA. And when these aflatoxins bind, they, in, they induce what we call a mutation. And that mutation is the beginning or could be if it's not corrected, the beginning of cancer or carcinogenesis, as we call it. Mm. So, and so you look at it, e- exposure to aflatoxins from, from the farm, it's, it, it's part of the food, it's not regulated. Maybe, for example, there's a slip with a particular batch and um, it gets into the, 
into the into the community and that we, we get it oncogenesis it's it's it binds to our mm. dna somehow because it's enormous for the body the body's not able to correct it mm. and it's not it corrected by the body it can be the beginning of cancer mm. and this is quite established that mm. about for aflatoxin uh, and then for you know fast food and yeah. um, street food uh, as they call it you know um some people talk about um how uh, maybe the preservative that have been used, you know, of course, if you in Bodija, for instance, if you go to your know, favorite chicken outlet, for instance, some people say you stay away from it that is harmful to the body, can cause food poisoning. Right. So, is this the nature of um, the preservative that have been used, or how the you know some of these items have been modified? Because we right. talked about genetic uh, modifi- modified food here on, right. on the on the show as well before. So, is it is there a connection between genetic uh, modification and um, you know um, preservative for instance and food poison especially when it comes to fast food items now it's good to look at genetic modification of food as a as a separate thing yeah because now when we're looking at genetic modification of foods and how it affects food safety i mean it's 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 kind of like a different a different topic entirely yeah so maybe if we have time on this on this show we've done it before i'm just saying that is there a connection like you know maybe when if a food item has been modified genetically can some of these items like you talked about Society on farm produce, for, for right. instance, can some of these items go on to the food uh, inside the food item and end up being, you know, a cause or, or being, uh, you know, vulnerable to um, bacterial infection? To, no, to no, go no, on no. To cause for genetic poisoning. modification, yes. it, 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 it it's different. Okay. It, it's, it's okay. quite different. It okay. doesn't work that way. Okay. So, but for for the for the fast foods, yes, you know, like you said, I think if we if we look at the foods that are in similar category, it can be helpful. So take, for example, you look at the fast foods. Mm. A lot has to do with the level of hygiene, you know, in, in, in the particular fast food concerned. But um, most of the problems that are reported from fast food poisoning are really as a result of um, bacterial inf- infection. Okay. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and it's, you know, it's quite different from the pesticide resi- residues that I explained with regards to the agricultural farm. Mm. But... Um, Yes, some cases have really been fatal, even for fast foods reported. Um, but um, many of the cases are really things that our body normally handles. We can have fever at a very high, uh, in very serious cases. Maybe we are down and we are hospitalized. But many times um, the body um, is able to handle them. Able to handle them. Mm. But really, um, looking at the other aspects... Mm you know, of toxins. Uh, Something that comes to mind are practices that really we see around and that um, have also been reported. So take, for example, the preservatives that people use to to preserve some food. You know, there's been a lot of outcry about this. And, and these preservatives can cause food indeed, poisoning. Indeed, okay. but you see, the f- the, this this can be explained from the toxin part angle. Okay. Angle. Yeah. So um, we've he- we've seen reports from what people do with chicken to preserve chicken. We've seen reports from what people do um, <clears throat> to ripen bananas and some other fruits. You know, even the chemicals, for example, that they use, it's it's carbide. You know, I've seen that people using carbide. The mm. same chemical that um, welders use 
in hmm. welding. Hmm. You know, they, they, they use carbide to fasten or hasten the ripening so, so, so of okay. those foods. And, of course, the, the concentration that is used is really the problem because this hmm. is what really gives rise to food poisoning. And, um, you know, in the case of, there have been also reported cases where people use um, what we call, uh, it's a familiar product, Sniper. Yes. Sniper. Yes. People use Sniper, you know, as pesticides. So these things are really condemnable. They, they, mm. they, yeah. But somehow we see them and they've been part of the cases reported. All right. It's the Ink About Science Show. This morning we're looking at the science of food poisoning. Our guest um, is um, from the Department of uh, Human Nutrition, University of Ibaris, Dr. Ibukun Afolami. We're looking at um, the, uh, you know, meaning of food poisoning how it, how it happens red flags and how we can create a healthier food ecosystem for ourselves if you want to be a part of the show you can call 0700 1979 that's the number to call or you can join us on whatsapp 028 we'll continue the conversation after this break don't go away Some follow me everywhere I go. I think it's actually just everywhere you go. What do you mean, Daddy? Mm, my son. Well, science explains how the Earth revolves around the sun. Interesting, Dad. I thought the Earth is a stationary object. How does it revolve around the sun? Hmm. I don't have an accurate answer for this, but I do know where to find answers. The Inkaba Science Show on the Beat 97.9 FM. Ibado. Okay, Daddy. Son, where are you off to? I'm off to tell my friends to tune in to the Inkaba Science Show every Monday on the Beats 97.9 FM Ibadan by 9 a.m. and also catch the repeat broadcast on Thursday by 5 p.m. We can't miss it! The Inkaba Science Show, powered by Inkaba Biotech, Africa's genomics company. This is the Inkaba Science Show. Right, welcome back. It's the Ink About Science Show on the Beat 97.9 FM. Remember, the show comes your way every Monday night at 9.45 a.m. And then we bring you a broadcast of each episode on Thursdays at 5 p.m. Today, we're looking at the science of uh, food poisoning. I guess it's Dr. Ibukun Afalami of the Department of Human Nutrition, University of Ibadan. You can call 0700 if you have any question for our guests in the studio. 0700 1,979. So, um, you, we've looked at um, how it, you know, happens in the body system. You've talked about how it is caused by bacteria. You've also mentioned that it could be a viral infection as well. So, le- let's look at the, you know, viral aspect of it. How does this happen? Yeah, so the, for, for, for the virus, it's not as common. So, mm. um, but it, it's basically the same process. Okay. Um, yeah, so, but basically the same process. But what, what causes it? What, uh, how do I say it now? You've talked about what can lead to a bacterial um, infestation in the food item. What about the virus itself? Yes, so, yes. so also the same exposure from, from you know, hygiene. Hygiene. So, mm. hygiene, hygiene has a very um, big role to play. Mm. And of course, um, that is why you, you see for certain foods, they are, they are, you're, you're more prone to get infection from them. Mm. So, um, for a very practical way is let's look at the hygiene level in in our markets for for example let's look at the hygiene level in our abattoirs for example yeah so for for let's take this call doctor yeah 
Hello, good morning. Hello. Hello, good morning. Hello, good morning. Your name, where are you calling from? Please, I need you to speak up. I can't hear you clearly. A day me from Bodija. Go ahead. I'm, I'm having trouble hearing you. I'm having trouble hearing you. Can you hear me now? Yes, I think it's better now. Go ahead. Maybe you should try and call us back if you can. The, the line is not clear. Yes, I, I can't hear you clearly. I can't hear you clearly. Zero seven hundred one thousand nine seven nine. Okay. Um, l before we, uh, um, the uh, the calls start coming in, let's look at um, the um, what what the, what were you, were you saying? L let's look at um, some of the things that that happened in the body when there is food poisoning. What it can lead to. You mentioned that it could get cancerous uh, in some cases. I, I believe that is an extreme cases, but yeah. in other cases as well. Let's look at what could happen to the body system. Okay, so of course, symptoms very common sy symptoms of food poisoning is diarrhea. So diarrhea, vomiting, and um, fever in 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 very severe cases, and. Um, Yes, so what happens in, in diarrhea? Well, you know, if we go back to the, to the anatomy of the small intestine, you, you remember that I... Okay, we have an, Oh, we, we lost it again. We yes. lost the call? Yes. Okay, so you remember that I explained that, okay, you have from your, the, your gut, basically. So what makes up your gut? So you have your, your, your stomach, you have your esophagus, your stomach, your small intestine, and your large intestine. So in between your small intestine and your large intestine, when you have this battle going on between the body antibodies and the pathogens that the body gets exposed to. Uh, okay, I think we're back. Hello? Hello? Hello, good morning. Okay, I didn't hear me, you're back. Uh, let's hope the line is clear now. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. 
Thank you very thank much. You. Thank you. Okay, uh, Ademi, thank you for calling back. I guess he was trying to say that um, um, the entire blame is on the regulatory bodies. They need to do more, you know, to prevent um, what has become a, a public health concern, apparently, at the issue of food poisoning. 0700 1979. Hello, good morning. Hello, good morning. Good morning. Where are you calling from? Dami Lola from Malaka, go ahead. I'm thinking to know if bacteria doesn't like it. They have to be incompetent to the Again, please. Again, please. I'm thinking to know how the bacteria doesn't come from the Okay, uh, all, all right. I, I guess he's asking, um, you know, uh, how, uh, if bacterial toxins from uh, um, residue of pesticide is different from, you know, the use of carbide and all of those things that you mentioned to preserve or uh, fasten the, uh, you know, to, to, to ripen fruits like banana and waterview that are the, you know, toxins um, different in terms of their concentration. Indeed. So when you have toxins that, when we're exposed to toxins that cause food poison, well, it's also good to, it's good to differentiate where those toxins are coming from. Yeah. So we have toxins that come from the external pesticide residues or from the external environment on one hand, you know. So when we talked about the carbide and all that and all the toxins that are used or chemicals that are used in preserving, preserving food. food yeah. Yes, this is one exposure to those. But um, on the other hand, we have core toxins that are produced by the bacteria itself. So don't forget that many times the way the way the bacteria cause harm when they invade us from the food is that we're exposed to them from the food to start with. Mm -hmm. They get into the system, they replicate in the in the body, in the gut for instance, yeah. and um, they begin to produce toxins. And this toxins is actually what causes food poisoning. And uh, a bit of what happens at that phase is that when the body notices that there is an invasion of those pathogens, it tries to eliminate them out of the system. And in so doing, this, the large intestine and part of the small intestine begin to reabsorb water. So in the process of getting water, it's, 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 it, it's, you expect that those pathogens are mm. flushed out with the water that comes from inside to outside mm, in the okay. large intestine. Mm. And that was, that's what actually leads to diarrhea, and that's oh. what actually leads to us uh, infected people mm. um, having lots of diarrhea and vomiting. Mm. So it's, it's, it's a natural process, like a defense process that the body initiates to get rid of those bacteria by flushing them out. And the, uh, a lot of what so you mentioned earlier that uh, diarrhea is one of the si uh, symptoms. So um, even though it's a symptom, it's a sign of the body fighting, you know, off these toxins. That's what you're saying. Right. So basically, trying to flush them out right. of the body system. Right. Right. Mm. Right. Right. Yes. So that's what it is. But it's a symptom. So say, say for example, um, it's one of the very early symptoms of food poisoning. Yeah. So we we diarrhea and vomiting. And in some cases, when it's severe, um, fever as well. Mm. Yeah.
All right, 0700-1979, that's the number to call to be a part of the conversation. If you have any questions for our guests in the show, remember we're looking at the science of food poisoning right here on the Inkaba Science Show. So let's look at other, you know, symptoms that um, we can look out for to be able to determine if we've been exposed to some toxins that cause food poisoning uh, into the body. So basically, you have diarrhea, you mm. have cramps in the stomach, mm. sometimes you have headaches, you have fever. And in severe cases, you have muscle pains and, and things like that. Mm. So these are quite common um, um, symptoms. But it's good to mention that um, the, the incidence, so epidemiologically, you know, in epidemiology, we actually find out the incidence. So new cases of, of um, food poisoning that have been reported, majority of them are reported from the hospitals. Okay, so there are epidemiological, epidemiological records that, mm. you know, we collect around from the hospitals uh, yes and different places okay. so but largely uh, a lot of reports from the hospitals gathered together pegs the incidence of food poisoning um or mortality actually um arising from food poisoning to be 200,000 in a year which is quite high wow yeah that's quite quite a high number mm-hmm. so le- le- because of the severe nature of food poisoning and uh, the fact that can leads to death in some cases like you've mentioned um you know what, what are the red flags we should look out for, you know, to prevent um, some of these things from happening? Red flags or, you know, are there specific food items that we should stay away from that are, you know, susceptible to, you know, causing food poisoning to the body? So, largely, largely, hygiene is key. Mm. So, the red flags in terms of the food, okay, so common f- sources of foods that usually uh, could, be, could, could be sources of red flags... Meat, for example. Okay. Okay. Fruit and maybe that's why uh, <laughs> I mentioned the abattoir in, in Bodija. Yes. 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 So okay. meat, meat is very key. Why, why, why is meat very key? What makes it so? Is it because it's killed in the open and cut in the open as well? Precisely. So yeah. it's the hygiene and handling, basically. Mm. So the level of hygiene. I mean, look at the state of our abattoirs, for instance. Um, I mean, this these days I try to to not compare, you know, Nigeria with other countries, to avoid frustration. But really, if you look at the state of uh, abattoirs, many things can be better, to put it very positively. Mm. I mean, uh, abattoirs are not in very good state. We've had a series of people from private sector coming to intervene, um, but really things are still far from what they should be. And um, another thing you see, based on the culture that we have here. We have open markets. So if you compare what happens in Nigeria with the West, our market is still very largely unregulated. Okay? And the nature of this open market in themselves make it easier to get exposed to food poisoning. So from a practical perspective, um, mothers know that, yes, when they're getting food from from the open markets that they really need to do a lot of processing. So they really need to do a lot of washing, especially for meat, meat, also fruits and vegetables. So because that way you eliminate at least half of those pathogens from the food themselves before intake. So the processing is key and it's quite important. So you mentioned meat as a red flag. You know, fruit and vegetables as a red flag as right. well. And then for fruit and vegetables, um, it doesn't mean that they can get their 
you know, toxins from two different sources because, you know, there could be the pesticide uh, thing from the farmland and there could also... <coughs> <clears throat> excuse me, the exposure during the, you know, packaging and everything to, uh, you know, um, bacteria as it were. So it makes them even more dangerous as well. Indeed. Yeah. And because of the nature of fruits and vegetables. Mm. So every educated mother knows that when I get my fruits and vegetables is because they're rich in, in vitamins yeah. and minerals, right? And when I'm doing that, I, I, I want my children to be exposed to this high nutrient. And I need to cook them minimally so that I don't lose those vitamins. But now, think about it. It's a balance. So I'm trying not to lose the important vitamins and minerals in the food. But at the same time, I need to cook them well to eliminate the bacteria, to eliminate the pathogens. So really, this balance is is really the tricky part. Mm. Because... Think about it for the fruits and vegetables. You don't really want to overcook them. But at the same time, if you don't overcook them... Because, I mean, when you buy vegetables, some people say that if you put hot water inside it, you, you know, the nutrient goes away. I don't know how true that is, for for instance. That, you know, uh, but some people say that you also need to, you know, soak it in hot water to uh, kill off whatever germs that are there that could make you, you know, uh, the food poisonous to your body. Very important. Yeah. I, w- I would really recommend that, I mean, we do good blanching because yeah. it's blanching so so it doesn't take away the nutrient yes yeah, so soak it properly in hot water um at least to eliminate some of those bacteria and pathogens but at the same time not to lose too much of the nutrients but i mean i would rather protect myself from by eliminating bacteria even if i have to lose, lose about the percent of the nutrients mm. i think that is fine think about it i mean in other countries you find a, a very good exposure to um toxins and pathogens from food is also milk but we don't have much of that problem in Nigeria except for those that take fresh milk, which is not really common. So most times we take processed milk, but there are still a couple of people that take fresh milk. And actually this milk is actually um, a culture, more like a breeding culture for mm-hmm. many of this um, bacteria. Mm. Uh, uh, and then even for processed milk, can't the processing, the, the process of packaging and everything, you know, lead to uh, infection as well? Yeah, those are they are they are rarer cases. cases okay. Yeah, they are rarer cases. Mm. So, yeah, so the bulk of exposure that we have um, are the exposure we have from unregulated, uh, open market foods, um, street foods, and um, foods from the, uh, animal sources, meats, vegetables, and all and and similar sources, and also in different pockets of the country where you have some really bad practices from different food vendors uh, trying to, pr- to, to preserve foods with, with chemicals and, and toxic mm. compounds than these cases that go unregulated. Really, most of the cases that have been reported that have been fatal are from these sources. Mm. Uh, and then, uh, does that mean that there are some specific food items that we should avoid? You know, because some people have always talked about um, how certain uh, foods are processed or are preserved that could um, be poisonous or dangerous to the body. You hear people talk about um, these um, noodles, for instance, that you should stay away from them. They contain certain chemicals that are, you know, according to them, you are the experts, so, so you're, you're going to debunk it again, you know, that are cancerous to the body and, and the like. So does this mean that there are, you know, special food items that we should stay away from to reduce the um, um, extent of our exposure to food poisoning? Indeed. So, if if I'm gonna if if I'm gonna say or give an advice with regards to 
foods that the general population should be should be careful about. Yeah. You know, um, I would really focus on the street foods. So many times for 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 processed foods, they go through these regulatory bodies. For example, I worked in NAVDAC as an intern a, a couple of years ago, and um, I was pleasantly, it was in the days of um, Professor Dora Aquinley of Blessed Memory, and I was quite impressed about the processes that really happen mm. in NAVDAC. They have, uh, at least then, back then in Oshodi, they, they had a couple of laboratories where really they subject this food to measure the level of the toxins, to measure the level of the bacterial load, and um, really th things were quite stringent in those days. And I remember um, working then in, in the laboratory, when you have concentrations of um, a particular pathogen, you know, titer that is above the, uh, the required value mm. or, or the tolerated value, you immediately you place there's a whole process then. I mean, I don't know how things are, I don't know now, but they, there used to be a whole process then where, you know, they get back to that, they detect that batch and they really get, they, they get that batch out of the market. So these processes I know for registered foods, they are in place mm. in the country. So most of the exposure that are not regulated come from street foods, open markets, and, and I think, not that I think, <laughs> I mean, I think the, I know that the, the bulk of um, the foods people eat are from this environment. Yeah. So what are the foods that we should be careful about? So, um, I mean, it's difficult to give an advice that don't eat this, eat this. Eat this. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. So That's why I said you are this one. Because, you know, <laughs> the, in, 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 these days, really, you find people uh, claiming to be dietitian, you know, nutritionists, um, developing all sorts of things. You see them on social media as well. Right. So it's important that it comes from, you know, an expert like yourself to be able to make people aware of these things. So um, I know you said it's difficult to say, don't eat this, don't eat yeah, that. But yeah. let's just look at, you know, food that we should avoid or um, red flags basically yeah so the street foods mm. so w the street foods um, you need to really be careful about where they they are processed so you need to be you really need in making a choice of buying you really need to be very careful to know you know how they are being cooked so street foods like moi moi street foods like um, the mama put well, <laughs> you can't generalize all of them yeah. because they all have different levels of, um, um, some of them are more stringent than others. So really, it has to be a case by case. And I think from a consumer protection perspective or from looking at it from the things, from the side of the consumer, uh, the general advice, uh, you know, that I would give is that if you do not know the processing, what goes into the processing of that food, it's a red flag. Avoid it. So, um, some people say, for example, if I cannot see, if I cannot see, you know, the puff puff or the akara that I'm buying mm. on 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 the <laughs> roadside, yeah. if I cannot see it coming really from the yes. from the fire, I'm not going to buy it. I think that's it, it's 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 that's kind safe. of protective. Okay, it's protective. It uh, is. Or if you can't see the um, the suya on the you know, ah, for suya, yes, <laughs> suya, suya is a bit more. Suya is a bit more. Delicate. Dangerous. Okay. Yes. Why? Because the temperature at which you heat the suya is a bit lower. So take for instance, I mean, for me, if I'm going to buy akara on, on, on the street and I'm seeing it coming from, from the hot palmer, 
I mean, palm oil burns at 180 degrees. So it gives assurance that it's that's burnt of the toxins there. At that temperature is <laughs> over 180, sometimes 250 degrees Celsius. Yeah. I mean, at that temperature, well, God bless it's safe. My, God bless that pathogen. <laughs> <laughs> but for Suya, of course, the temperature yeah. is very low. So for for for, for Suya, the temperature is much lower. Yeah. So you really. Um, um, if the processing or the pre-processing, and don't forget that the suya that we buy from the suya spots or suya sheds, they've gone through some processing before, you know, before the heating. So really, mm. what that um, um, suya man is doing is really just warming it. Oh, really? So yeah. it doesn't do anything. Really, <laughs> it's, it's not like it's it's it, it, it's cooking it raw. Yeah. So there's been some processing earlier on. Mm. Yeah. So uh, that that you need to be very careful where you get your suya from. Uh, and then just before we go, what would you, um, you know, uh, for those who want to create a healthy um, eating lifestyle, what, what, what is that and how can we achieve that really? Okay, so for creating a healthy eating lifestyle, mm. r- right now um, there are certain diseases that have, this has really very little to do with food poisoning, but it's good to take the opportunity to say that, that, well, we have some a high incidence that's new cases of some diseases, and they are really on the rise compared to what we used to see in the past. Yeah. So, um, what diseases are this? Diseases, cardiovascular diseases. So, take for instance, there's a study that I'm currently doing in Ibadan right now, um, and um, some of my students are really helping out to to see if they can monitor, you know, the, the incidence of, of hypertension amongst, um, basically amongst um, mechanics and... It, it looks like we have a last caller just okay. before we go. Hello. Yeah. Hello. Hello, Yes, good morning. Uh, I've been trying to discuss for some time now. Yeah. So, uh, I think I missed last week. I followed the... Okay. Okay. I know what he meant by they are just one minute. One minute, yes. Okay, thank you very much. Yes, I know you're a regular caller. We appreciate you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I guess he's a big fan of Suya. That's why he called in to defend to defend his favorite food. Yes, it's yes. okay. Um, the, the important thing is to be very careful because yeah. um, we've had cases, a lot of cases of food poison that mm. came from Suya. So, um, so I think the, the important thing is to really um, know where I'm getting the, the Suya from. from and um, the processing then. Mm. So, for example, I know very good suya spots in this Ibadan, and you see them, you know where they get the meat from, you see the processing, 
and you um, trust them so yes. let, let's let's quickly oh there's another call uh unfortunately we can't take it our time is up our time is up thank you so much uh dr uh lumidea falami for being a part of the show uh it's been uh Yes, sorry. Um, thank you very much. It's been an informative session with you uh, in the studio. We've been discussing the science of food poisoning. Uh, it's a lecturer department of Human Nutrition, University of Ibadan. Thank you for joining us. Listen to the broadcast of this episode uh, at 5 p.m. on Thursday. Enjoy.